0: This is Luke Gerges on the Bragg Podcast, and today we're with Veronica Milsom of Veronica and Lewis Triple J Fame. Veronica, welcome.
1: Oh, thank you. Very excited to be here. I bought a prop, um, a baby. So cute.
0: <laughs> if you can see the what's up? Uh, child. What, here's her? his or her name?
1: Her name is Zoe, and um, although I keep accidentally calling her Sophie which makes me think that maybe we shouldn't have called her uh, Zoe. But anyway, there was too many other Sophies, you know. Sophies uh, too plain. Sorry if your name in Sophie.
0: <laughs> well, the idea is if there's too many Sophies, you've actually offended the maximum amount of people.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true, actually. That was um, not very well thought out by me.
0: Did you give birth
1: during COVID? How old is Zoe? So she's five weeks old, which actually it's the only way I can keep track of time is knowing how old she is. Um, Yeah, which was really weird. I was listening the other day to a podcast where Jen Fricker was talking about how people are going to have this, like, uh, Post quarantine reveal of what they will look like. You know, for her, she's doing the Hemsworth diet app and um, she's really shredding. And for me, it will be that I've had a baby. Like, I'll be like, hey, I got this. And everyone will be like, oh, you were just enormously large last time we saw you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, it's a couple of months old, can sit up by itself. <laughs> but yeah, it was really, <laughs> it was really uh, strange giving birth during this time because they kicked us out of the hospital straight away. That was one of the, the weirder things. We got, um, t- checked it for our temperature and stuff before we went in, I, you know, a thousand questions about whether we had coronavirus, which, you know, if we did, I could still give birth, but I wasn't allowed anyone in there with me. And they were a little bit like, yeah, jury's out. If your kid's okay, we think it might be, there aren't that many cases. Uh, but yeah, it turns out I didn't have it, which was ideal. And she came pretty quickly, like in an hour and a half. Awesome. Um, and then so we were just out the next morning. So, what
0: were you really nervous? Like I feel – so I've, I'm, I have two kids as well and both pregnancies, even though everything's fine, you're always just terrified something's not fine. Oh, I yeah. can't imagine the level of extra anxiety that would have been during a COVID time.
1: Oh, 100%. Especially because for some reason the hospital that I was at had converted their um, – like their birth unit on the other side of where we were to an ICU. So on the way in, you were seeing all these people that were terrified that they might have it. You're like, this isn't ideal, but I guess if any ward in the hospital was going to be near the COVID patients, the babies are okay, I guess, because they're the ones that aren't being affected.
0: Yeah. And we know that now, but we kind of didn't know at the time. It was always like, are kids safe?
1: Yeah. I feel like they still think that a bit. Like we don't know the long-term ramifications. Yeah. Not that we want to get into that sort of, you can't think too much about it, right? Just got to go on what we have.
0: So what is your, uh, I guess, plans during during COVID while well, well you've got restrictions, you've got a brand new baby? Is it ideal or is it uh, extra stressful?
1: Well, you kind of feel bad thinking it's ideal, but it really is. Because as much as uh, I understand that the virus brings real scary ramifications uh, for many people in the world, and also like not just the virus, but for industries like the music industry and comedy industry, but it's also like there's no FOMO. There's nothing for me to miss out on, which is pretty amazing. Plus, there's no strangers weirdly touching your kid, which was, is a very real thing. Like, people get really into just stopping and, like, touching and looking at a newborn, um, which is unusual. I remember with Lila, there was a waitress who uh, blessed her and, like, did a, some sort of prayer, which, I mean, let's, we don't know what she would have been like if she hadn't been <laughs> prayed upon like that. but it felt weird at the time.
0: It is really bizarre that you can just literally go like it. Society thinks it's okay to literally just go up and poke and stroke and kiss like (laughs) a complete stranger because the stranger is under the age of one.
1: Yes. And I would never do that. But I, you know, there are a lot of things um, to do with like, I hated breastfeeding in public. So now I never have to do that. I can just secretly be doing it on zoom, which I'm not right now. Tits (laughs) are in my bruh. but, um, (laughs) But, yeah, I, I was like, mum said, so if you've got a strong letdown in your milk, why don't you just jizz it out the side and let it all come out and then just keep feeding the baby? And I was like, oh, well, mum, you can't do that in a cafe. And she was like, well, you don't have to go to a cafe. And I was like, Haha, yes, thank you once again. <laughs> Coronavirus. I can't
0: remember. There was this study that I read about um – how when mums are anxious during uh, like massive times of crisis, it actually affected the success of children when they became adults. And there's this big long study about a, vo- a volcano that was happening in a town and um, and then there's this also parallel study about the more time parents spend with their kids, especially in the first eight months, just touching and kissing and talking to the kid and all of that, it actually also significantly impacts the success of the kid as an adult. So I wonder if a consequence of that, if we're going to have a lot of genius corona babies because the mums have no other choice but to spend... Yes, time with except
1: them. that maybe they'll be highly anxious.
0: So we break um, even.
1: something cool to look forward to.
0: Anxious, loss of time. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, but there's also going to be a lot of babies born from this time, right? Everyone's in lockdown and there's nothing better to do. You've like wiped through everything on Netflix and now you're just like, well, I guess we just got to fuck.
0: <laughs> or, or divorce. I think there's like, yeah. <laughs> we'll see which stat is bigger. Yeah.
1: Well, that's pretty full on, isn't it? Like, it is really intense. I live with my partner and two kids. And. Uh, it's really wild the idea of just being with one person the whole time. Like international travel does not prepare you for this kind of thing. Don't you reckon? Yeah. Like I feel like I've been a part of every single Zoom call. I feel like if he drops dead tomorrow, I could pick up his work straight away. (laughs) <laughs> the whole
0: world has inbuilt redundancy now, so it's all good. The partner just steps up.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> That'll be easy and it's a great thing for me to know that I can walk into now that I have, I'm have. i completely unemployed, which is, you know, it's a good time to have a baby because it gives me something to do. But also, um, you know, uh, the baby's going to grow up and then I don't have a career yet. So, I mean, I left Triple J at a weird time. First
0: time you left Triple J was just a maternity leave and you came back after your first child. Why the permanent leave this time?
1: Oh, dude, I'm so old for Triple J. That was 100% the reason. Yeah? It just, I, yeah, yeah. Like I was kind of looking forward to not dyeing my hair and stuff, you know? I felt like I was having to be younger than I was, which is just like it messes with your mental health after a while. Not that it was serious at all, but it's just like you just want to be able to speak freely without like self centering about playing, yeah, you know, playing down your age, I guess. Yeah. So I'm 35, yeah. which isn't ancient, but um, I just was, I think it was couldn't talk about like making out with people at schoolies anymore. Didn't feel good, you know?
0: <laughs> so I'm curious as to think about the pressure that on air presenters feel um, as they get older on air Whereas people behind the scenes, like Kingsmill's quite old. I know Nick is also, I think Nick's in his mid 30s as well. Yeah, yeah. Nick Findlay. I wonder why there's such a disparity in that feeling of pressure for people on air versus people actually creating the music that the young people are listening to.
1: Yeah, well, I guess you're more the face of what's going on it's like about your attitude the way you think the what you do the way you talk the way you communicate with listeners because ultimately it's um about that relationship but it's so valuable to have the you know people with experience like Kingsmill and Finlay's behind the scenes kind of steering the ship essentially because like there's going to be this whole new um a lot of people that are fresh blood, which they can kind of guide through, which I definitely needed when I first started at Triple J. And it, it also means that there's some consistency in the way that everyone sort of sounds and the, the way that um the station comes together as a whole.
0: That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I I think um I think it was was it Rowe when there was that big obviously cycle of presenters, I think it was last year, and she came out and she said we're supposed to cycle because it's a youth station. We need young people on air. Yeah. We have Double J and we have all of these other stations. And was there ever a thought yeah. that you might go over to Double J or or do stay within the ABC ecosystem?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Except that I, I mean, I still could. That's the thing. I still would quite like the idea of doing stuff with Double J. They, they you know, they have significantly less presenters. and But there's always great, like, fill-in opportunities for when Zan's away which, I mean, the gal loves to holiday. If you follow her Instagram, she's mad for it. Uh, in fact, if you're ever wondering about a place like Japan, where should I go in Japan? Zan has a PDF document for pretty much every country. She's very organized. She has like a, a list of best places to eat and places to see. I've got many of her PDFs over the time. Um, Yeah, so that's still an opportunity. And I think I'll still work with the ABC, but I also reckon it's really healthy to get out of there and, like, potentially explore what people are doing on commercial networks and um, just in commercial spaces to keep yourself, I don't know, I would never want to be an ABC lifer. I'd never want to be someone who stayed there forever Um, because I think it's... Yeah, it's important to know what the competition is doing.
0: Yeah, Triple J or the ABC as a whole also limits your earning potential, right? Because you get your salary for doing the show and then you literally can't do anything else.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, this salary is like compared to the rest of the industry is uh, not great. And I know that it's like a very much an ongoing joke at Triple J that no one earns any money. There are a lot of perks, you know, you get festival tickets and tickets to gigs and stuff. But yeah, you have to report if you ever get anything in the mail, which looks like it might be worth more than $50. You have to report it and then it gets taken from you. (laughs)
0: Shit every time. Or is it a judgment call?
1: It's, I mean, it's a judgment call because sometimes you don't really know, but like you might get sent a whole heap of chocolates or something from a chocolate company. And in that case, you just have to share it with everyone in the office, which is nice. Ultimately you're like, I kind of would like the chocolates to myself sometimes as well.
0: <laughs> have you
1: seen? <laughs> and that's so you, where commercial radio comes in.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and you know, Ben and Liam have just made the jump to Nova. Um, I think I saw um, Matt and Alex have now got a deal with SCA Podcast One, launching a podcast. Mm, there seems to be I? that sort of generation of Triple J, um, I guess Triple J presenters now making that leap. Is that something you've got your eye on as well?
1: Well, I mean, I wouldn't say no because that's where I've come from. Uh, I came from commercial radio. Like I worked at Nova in Melbourne and Nova in Perth. I also worked at Smooth 94.5 in Perth, which is uh, just the best, the best music. (laughs) It is a hit parade, 99% success rate. Uh, (laughs) And I was like the youngest person working there by probably, I'd say, 30 years or something at the time. So I really pitched my voice down and pretended that I was much older than I was Veronica.
0: Opposite problem than then a triple J.
1: Oh yes. That's exactly right. I mean, it really fucked <laughs> with my head. <laughs> I just want to be me, you know?
0: Yeah. So, um, how did you then, you know, team up with Lewis and end up getting the gig at triple J?
1: So, uh, Lewis and I did a show together on the ABC called Hungry Beast, which was like a thing that Andrew Denton ran where it got 19 people from who were completely newcomers to the TV industry and got us to create a TV show, which was horrendous in the first season. But it got better. People really romantically remember it. They're like, yeah, Hungry Beast had a 10-year reunion. And I was like, oof, you're forgetting that it was pretty shit for a bit. <laughs> um, but, yeah. We, we got back together on that show, but we went to high school together uh, in Geelong. So that's how we actually really know each other. So we're Geelong buddies. And oh, then nice. we've been keeping in contact a lot heaps. We met out the back of my house in the laneway um, <laughs> because we felt weird about him coming in because he's not allowed. But then we, like, coincidentally, like, met in the laneway. And um, I was just hearing from him all about what it's been like for presenting triple j which is crazy like the idea of having no regular segments no uh interviews really because no one's releasing well there are some people but people aren't really releasing that much music and they're not touring so which terrifies me the idea of doing a radio show where there would just be nothing on every day but he loves
0: it yeah I mean, how did you guys decide how to program that show every day? Like, what was the system and the dynamic between you two?
1: Well, we had a producer. Um, so at Triple J, you just have one producer, whereas uh, at commercial radio stations, you have about 10 or something, um, which is wild for the drive show. Nah, not really. That's, that's an exaggeration, but they have a lot. Um, And you you have kind of like staple things every day, like the regular segments, uh, which they would be one or two every day, which are just great because you know they're they're a lock. And then there's usually an interview every day and then just talk back and stuff around it or trying to work out different ways to provide like content around something that had happened in our lives or something that happened in the world. And we just have like editorial meeting 11 o'clock every day which also is very much a difference between Triple J and commercial radio because we would meet so early, like way too early, four hours before the show was going to start. And on commercial radio, it's like I think they meet, you know, at two or something. I think Kate Tim and Marty don't even come into the office until really late.
0: So why, why the difference <laughs> we, there?
1: Because we just didn't have any support. Like we didn't yeah. have... Oh no! I'm going to get shot down if my boss listens to this. No, we had lots of support. It just doesn't have the same budget, you know? Didn't have the
0: same resources.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the resources at Jool J are just like tiny. There's barely, you know, there's like a couple of people who upload stuff, um, stories for the web, for example. Not like at Bragg. You guys have hundreds of people. Working on stories.
0: Oh, multiple floors. We've got a whole, <laughs> we've got a whole skyscraper of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was it like starting the show versus how it was when it was fully mature and fully popular? Did you get as much editorial control and could do all the skits and segments and things that you wanted early, or did you kind of have to earn the trust of the station before they let your ideas pass?
1: Oh, it's so. Diff- it was so different by the end. Basically, because we didn't. We discovered that the less you care at Triple J, the more listeners are endeared to you (laughs) because they're like, you don't seem to give a shit. That's awesome. (laughs) It's sort of weird. And you could never um, bring like you could never force that feeling. It's just something that happens after a bunch of years when you kind of want something to go wrong. Like if the computer breaks, I'm like, oh, yes, this will be fun. You know, whereas at the very beginning, five years early, if the computer had a broken, you would shit yourself, you know, and go, oh, my God, what are we going to do? But but also we learned about um, what the listeners thought was funny and that wasn't um, pre-prepared ideas like sketches that we'd written up and that were fully produced. Like they hated that, (laughs) which was really interesting as well. They didn't want you to seem like you had tried to impress them. How do you get that
0: sentiment and that that sort of feedback from listeners? What are the sort of indicators you're looking for?
1: Um, Brutal texts coming through. (laughs) (laughs) By the dozens being like, you're not funny, you know, fuck off your shit. (laughs) Um, And then you just kind of got the impression over time. Plus people just um, sort of played along more with you and you could see that on the text line if it seemed like they were picking up an an idea rather than you were forcing it down their throat.
0: So does that mean you relied on the text line more than say socials and and sort of Listener data, I guess, of, of whatever sort that comes in.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. For and I don't know if that was right or wrong to do, but we loved the text line. Lewis never knew what the ratings were, so that data just was went out the window. I mean, I barely did. It's not really not a consideration at Triple J, but I mean, for us, it probably should be, <laughs> but it wasn't. Um, <laughs> and and. The socials, we didn't even have an Instagram account. We were really um, crap at doing any of our socials, which I was majorly paranoid about for years. I was like, oh, we should be posting something now. And then I was like, oh, I don't care anymore. It's too too difficult. Let's just make a good radio show. But, you know, that's the difference between a lot of shows on Triple J is how much people will care about that social media output. Like some people will never have listened to Ben and Liam But just follow them on Instagram and just love what they do on that, which maybe that's just also a great and legit way of, you know, creating content for people and be employed by the national broadcaster, you know? Yeah. Don't, know.
0: don't you feel that the um, safest commercial strategy is to really build the socials, though, for presenters? Because once they leave the station, they have this asset that they can continue to commercialize or use as leverage to get a show at Nova or, or whatever. Yeah, well,
1: that was a bit different for Ben and Liam because, and this is like a bit nitty-gritty, but they had – their social media before they got to triple j so when they're at fresh but whereas like matt and alex for example they created they became matt and alex through triple j and had in their instagram there and then um abc owned it yeah so right. like abc owned everything veronica and lewis that we did but that's not to say that it's not a reason that we shouldn't have done content because we were like <laughs> yeah it, we, it was never that we were thinking who cares because we're not going to own it after
0: yeah no i know what you're saying yeah. i'm just thinking you know i've got my talent manager hat on and i'm just thinking if you're a manager of a radio host and you're negotiating a deal with a presenter surely one of the biggest sticking points should be no you've got to let us own the accounts instead of you just taking them otherwise it's fucking yeah. 10 years of my on air time, like I've been building this account and I can't take it with me. I, I, I would imagine if it hasn't already happened that that's become a real sticking negotiating point for a lot of managers. I, I would I would guess. I don't know.
1: I bet. Oh, absolutely. But I don't reckon, um, I reckon the ABC would sit pretty tight on that because it's worth a lot to them as well. Also, hmm. it's just um, the IP is, as well as anything else is, you know, an idea that you thought of at the ABC when you're employed there is theirs.
0: Yeah. So, what are your? I guess do you have any plans now after your maternity leave? Do you you looking to get a get a new podcast yourself, or start a stand up, or start doing stand up, or something like? What's on the horizon?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't even know how easy it would be to start doing stand up with two kids all the time. I don't know. I think you'd have to have already been doing it relies so much on um, being available at night. Mm. Unless you just put them to sleep, snuck away for a quick set. Yeah. It's yeah, tricky. It
0: would um, be hard. What, have you ever done it?
1: Uh, a little bit. I have done a, a little bit. I did like a show last year, a solo show, which was stand-up, but, and mixed with some sort of sketch stuff, which was all about, being a first-time parent, which was really fun and hectic. I don't know how I did that in the end with like having a baby plus doing triple J plus everything else. But, um, yeah, I'm going to be making a podcast, which I kind of can't tell you too much about except that I have a frozen placenta in my fridge.
0: Oh, shit. freezer.
1: I should say freezer. Yeah. And so that is a part of the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, I'm looking up lasagna recipes. That's just one episode, but, yeah.
0: <laughs> when, when can we expect to hear that? It sounds like we're going to be following you on a pretty day-to-day real-life journey.
1: Yeah, it's, it's taken up a lot of my time and energy at the moment. It's, um, yeah, as well as Prop here, who's just, like, adorably <laughs> sleeping so calmly. Um, it looks like I've just got a doll. But I don't. It's a real kid.
0: She's just Um, so still. It's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: She's fine. I guarantee. So cute. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. I've been putting a lot of effort into it and it's like a challenge-based thing. And uh, let me tell you, it is ruining my life, this experiment that I'm undertaking with having a child. And yeah, I think it'll be coming out in the next couple of months.
0: Oh, that's awesome. keeping me busy. All right, we'll make sure we'll get it up on the brag when it happens so so people can hear it. Um what do you think is going to happen to the comedy scene, you know, now that covid, I mean, comedians seem like they're going to be just as affected as musicians. I mean, if not more, right? Because it's I feel like musicians can can record records, you know, do live streams. There's things that they can be doing whereas comedians, yeah, I guess comedians could do skits. Um, but, you know, you can't record a special to no crowd. You can record an album with to no crowd.
1: Yeah, although they, you know, like Stan is doing a special with um, comedians just setting up cameras in their living rooms, which I imagine would be completely awkward because there's no one laughing. Yeah. Like really odd. A little bit like McAuliffe doing his show or Charlie Pickering or whatever, like doing comedy to no audience, um, which is uncomfortable. But, yeah, it'll be... It'll be really interesting to see how it happens because I imagine, you know, with pubs and not actually getting, you know, just struggling to stay afloat. I don't imagine they'll be really excited to put a, you know, comedy night on or a DJ on or something. We'll see, though. Who knows how it'll all pan out. But it's – I was interested to see that um, Anne Edmonds did like a Zoom ticketed thing. So you paid to – watch her be Helen Badoo, which I was like oh shit apparently she sold heaps of tickets so it's like that's great if you can make money that way and people are really enthusiastic to support you and they've got time and you know
0: was everybody muted who was watching so could you hear people laugh
1: I mean I didn't watch it but I assume everyone was muted yeah so you were just essentially like watching her doing a YouTube video or something, but yeah, it was exclusive right. and it was like live and you didn't know if it was going to fuck up, which apparently it did stuff up. It's froze for a time.
0: Oh, Triple J listeners would have loved it. Right.
1: <laughs> and probably loved it. She was like, yes, something to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something went wrong. That's ideal.
0: Have you been watching uh, the late shows do their shows without crowds? Like, you know, last week tonight, and the Daily Show, and all of those.
1: I actually really haven't. No, I've been too busy doing other things. Is yeah, it awkward?
0: Uh, look, I. It's really, weird, really interesting, right? So one of my favourite YouTubers is this guy called Phil DeFranco who does a daily news show, and he, and he is very funny. So he does it in a very funny way. Mm. 10, 15 years, how long he's been doing it too. No crowd. He's a YouTuber, him in a camera, and it nails every time, and it's amazing. Mm. And then the first time I watched The Daily Show, or last week tonight, I can't remember which one it was, first week they did it, I found it so awkward and so, like, unfunny and uninteresting. Mm. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this is never going to work. But then I was thinking about it. Well, why can these YouTube kids do it? And why, why can't the late show do it? And why can't the, day, the daily show do it? And all of that. And then I feel like over time, they've almost adapted the same strategies that these like funny YouTubers have in the way that the show's edited and the way they deliver the punchlines and things like that. And right now, like the last Last Week Tonight episode I watched was hilarious. And I feel like, I don't know, I don't know, maybe it's me as a viewer, I just got used to it. But I feel like they yeah. have kind of evolved the way they delivered their jokes so it does land without an audience.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, you wouldn't want to get too comfortable with that. Totally. <laughs> no laughs. But, um, but yeah, I reckon just with, like, uh, the right edit points and music punctuating a joke and stuff, like just n- needing something to lean on that's not a laugh before you move on to the next thing. Yeah. yeah. It would be or really just,
0: tricky. Or just saying something really funny and not pausing. Like, you know like just just being funny keep talking keep talking keep talking and then the hits just keep coming and keep coming and then as a viewer you laugh when you laugh. You don't need to sort of wait for when the laugh should be. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, you you can laugh in your own time and actually you just have to um, rely on yourself listening to a joke rather than being like, ah, this is when I laugh. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Okay, yeah. cool, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> totally. um, I've been watching Lost though. So, I mean, when you said you're busy being a mum, uh, no, incorrect, I've been busy watching Lost. That's taking up all my screen time. It's the most ridiculous show. I didn't get into it you know, 15 years ago or whatever when it came out. And uh, boy, howdy, am I now understanding memes and uh, jokes that people say.
0: (laughs) Honestly, for the first three or four seasons, it's one of the best shows ever made, I reckon. And then then I've watched the whole thing back to front twice. I still couldn't tell you. I, couldn't, I still couldn't tell you what actually happened in the, sh- in the show.
1: Oh, no. But why, like, even in the first couple of episodes, like why, how did Locke get to use his legs again? That's never explained.
0: It, get, and it, it might get explained. Oh, does it? It might get explained, yeah. Oh,
1: okay, okay, I don't know and if you know dead. me very well, he but I don't spoil been.
0: things um, accidentally. <laughs>
1: okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well
0: done. Uh, government's going to lift restrictions on Friday. What's your, what's your vibe on that, especially with your context?
1: Ooh. You know. Yeah. So what it will actually mean, the rest- restrictions that they're going to lift. Yeah. I don't know. I hope it's nothing like I hope for people um, that need to get their employment back, that it's something um, worthwhile and that it means that they can start working again. But I also am like, Oh gosh, don't do it too soon. You know, don't, we don't want to be a Singapore. Um, <laughs> We I think I'll probably um have a party on Friday night. Um I'm a pretty cool party girl. <laughs> Actually I've been buying stuff that is completely not the sort of person I am. I bought a red leather mini skirt the other day, um, because it was on sale on this website. And I was like, who do I think I am? Who am I remembering myself to be pre <laughs> quarantine? Someone who like goes to nightclubs all the time? What? <laughs> anyway. It's arriving in the mail in like three weeks or something.
0: So you, I guess you're pro lifting these lockouts in because you get a lot of people that are just so anti clamp everything down. Can't do it. Blah blah.
1: Well, yeah, it's tricky because it, it doesn't make it any more safe to see grandparents and stuff. Like you, like lots of people will just be like, "Oh, crazy big Mother's Day or whatever mm. with all of the family." Um, but no, I'm obviously pro seeing friends and um drinking wine with them again mm. but i also am a little bit nervous about it being too soon and everyone just going crazy again although yeah i mean i read what you said about the um the app the tracing up luke and you you're scared of the government mostly
0: are you downloading the COVID Safe app,
1: dude i downloaded it ages ago i'm on yeah. board with it
0: yeah i i certainly think the app is an awesome idea and everyone that downloads it i get it but there is no way in hell I'm going to download that app. (laughs) (laughs) And I I was going to say, I published that opinion piece on the brag and I said why I'm not downloading the app. And it is very clear. You talk about feedback you got on the text line. I got a lot of feedback that I am very much in the minority view. I have absolutely no trust in corporations because they have a track record of absolutely exploiting data and manipulating the public. Um, to a point where I don't actually know if my own political views are my own like I'll I'll watch a YouTube video that I fucking love and it's awesome and it and it shares some view whether it's the left or the right and then suddenly I start getting fed very similar views and then I watch them and I love them and I love them and then if you watch enough hours of content your mind's gonna get shaped one way or another whether you whether you're conscious of it or not. And so I just think it's very easy. That's how Trump got in power. It's extremely easy to manipulate people based on their interests. And then you can focus on that interest, tie it into your own political views as a, as a political party or talk about how the opposition oppose whatever you are, what you love. Um, and you can end up being blind to the bigger picture because you're so caught up in, in a minor detail. Um, And i that's a
1: couple of leaks ahead though, isn't it? Totally, right?
0: Totally. So if you look at the, but if you look at, so this app at the moment, my view, completely safe. The build is great. The rollout's great. The government's doing all the right things. But I look at the track record of corporations and I look at the track record of government, even this government who is, who is just raided the ABC 10 minutes ago. um, I just don't have Mm. any faith and no reason at all to trust them you know, everything starts safe and good. And I can't think of an example of a successful company or successful surveillance program done by a government that hasn't ex- escalated uh, beyond where it should. I mean, in 9-11... Oh, God, he's stuck
1: in 9-11 now. They, well, <laughs> the, US government, the US
0: government introduced the Patriot Act, right? They, they use all these big crisis things to come in mm. and take hold of the public. So... My opposition isn't to the current app. I think the current app's awesome and I think that's why I think everyone that downloads it, great. But I just that's not what I oppose. I just oppose the bigger picture. And I know that I'm the minority, but that's yeah. kinda how I see it.
1: so you use Apple products? Like do you um did you give them your like facial ID and your fingerprint and stuff too? Uh, that's one of the things that I feel are a bit like that's a wild level of yeah, faith, and that's the I problem. I'm not stuff. all
0: the way down the rabbit hole, so I'll use a fake name and a fake photo on most socials. I will uh, i don't have location tracking on 99% of my apps. Yeah. Like, I've turned all that shit off. I do have Face ID, probably shouldn't, but I trust Apple. Maybe that's a mistake. <laughs> you know, I just feel like I'm not all the way down the rabbit hole yet, but I can see myself getting there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know some people who won't use an iPhone older than an iPhone 7 uh yeah uh, younger Mm -hmm. sorry young that only use a iphone one to seven uh for those kind of reasons but yeah i'm just yeah i I, i'm very nervous about you know government taking advantage of a public and also you know i'm in the music industry my company lost a million dollars in three days from all the events that got cancelled like Mm -hmm. i'm personally incentivized to make sure these restrictions are lifted as quickly as possible. And the government says, download the app and we'll lift the restrictions earlier. You know, I have every personal reason to want, you know, to want this app to work and to be good. Mm. Um, But I just, it's not my truth. I don't, I don't believe it. And I also, um, a part of me is also kind of resenting the language because it feels like a bit of blackmail. It's like, if you want to, if you want to go out and play, you got to download this app. Like I just, I don't know. Mm. Um. I understand I'm the minority. Would
1: um would I mean I don't think so, considering the amount of people that have downloaded the app. I mean you probably are the majority, but um were you the sort of person who had pre Zoom? Um, a like a little sticky thing over your camera and your laptop?
0: Pre-Zoom and post-Zoom.
1: Oh, really? So I've just got rid of it now. Yeah. Because I remember that one picture where Zuckerberg had it on his and yeah. I was like, if he's doing it, I'm
0: doing it. Totally. Mm. And you know the thing that, the thing that um, if you look at Silicon Valley, all the big CEOs, Zuckerberg included, I won't say all, the ones that I know of, they don't let any of their children use the social media apps. So Jack Dorsey, owner of Twitter, doesn't his kids aren't allowed to use Twitter and Facebook and all of these. Yeah. Same, Zuckerberg doesn't have his kids on Facebook and Twitter and all of these or Instagram. Yeah. So it's like these guys understand it more than anybody does, including myself, and they're scared of it. Like what? <laughs> they built it.
1: Yeah. So but I remember that we um, interviewed a guy on uh, Triple J once who, and this is like a very legit story. This has been um, told tales of this many times where he was watching porn, wanking, and um, he was filmed without him knowing the whole time and then was blackmailed. And that's one of the reasons also that I put sticky things over, even though not a wanky thing, but just that someone <laughs> can access the camera. You know what I'm
0: saying? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. I, I think that we're, yes, technology is moving a lot faster than legislation and even our own understanding. And so... To think that we, um, to think that we know everything is, is I think, very naive. And so, you know, when the government releases an app and says we're going to track you, um, I'm just not going to blindly say yes to that. You know, I might change my mind yeah. later oh. as well. That's the other thing.
1: Oh, you can't now. You put it on the internet. This is the thing. <laughs> nah,
0: I'm very okay <laughs> with saying I'm wrong. I'll, I'm very happily to be wrong on this. Um, I hope I am wrong, yeah. to be honest. That would be oh. ideal.
1: Dude, I hope you're totally wrong. But, yes, I think it's great to question it. And we need, you know, people like you writing articles so that it makes people think about it.
0: Ooh. Yeah.
1: Um, oh, man, I'm so hot. It is a very hot-holding little hot pocket child. Yeah. She
0: she might be awake.
1: Oh, really? Is she no? doing that weird know. thing where she, um, puts her head eyes back in her head and <laughs> it looks kind of creepy.
0: I saw those Instagram videos. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> the one where she was smiling when you were rubbing her head. Oh, she, yeah. Looking she's like amazing. three
1: days old then. It's just so
0: cute. cute. Um, Veronica, thank you so much. How can we follow you on social media? Where do we Where do we find you?
1: Well, I'm the only Veronica Milsom in the world. Um, so Google my name. Are you really? And yeah. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Am. All right. Great.
0: There's a lot of <laughs> then, people in the world. That's statistically unlikely, you'd imagine.
1: No, I think it's definitely true. I'm going to steal it right now. Because you're,
0: you're not the only Milsom in the world, so you'd imagine there'd be somebody else called Veronica. Yeah,
1: that's true. And I often get contacted by people whose um, names, uh, surnames are Milsom, wondering if we're related, uh, which is strange. <laughs> um, because I'm like, well, what do we do with this information, even if we are? <laughs> Um, yes, I'm on Instagram and um, Twitter. No, I don't do Twitter, but I'm on there. And Facebook. I also don't really do Facebook, but I'm on there because there's lots of old people and creepy people lurking on Facebook.
0: And Zuckerberg. Right. But there's Zuckerbergs on Instagram as well. Um, all yeah. right, we'll follow you on Instagram. Thank you so much, Veronica. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. See ya. Oh, I'm oh, cute. <laughs> <laughs>
0: See ya, mate. <bye. laughs>